Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Tuesday, the 8th of December, 2020, the MLS season. Kyle, I don't believe it's ever gone deeper and it's going deeper yet. The final is set. It's going to be crew against Seattle at Moffray Stadium for the MLS Cup Saturday at 8 p.m. on Fox. So I don't know if there's FS1, Jacob. Big Fox. Big Fox. So the Big Fox. So they have some other, there's some other football game in Columbus that same day at noon on Big Fox and then the crew in, in Seattle. No, I'm, huh? I'm, I'm just being a little uh, coy, <laughs> I, I whatever word you want to use. Quite a day with uh, Ohio State, Michigan um, in the afternoon and then the crew playing for its second MLS Cup title and its third shot at it in the final. Anyway, the final was set last night after Seattle won what was just an extraordinary game, uh, a crazy comeback. Minnesota had a 2 nothing lead deep into the second half, mostly on the magic of uh, Emmanuel Reynoso. And, geez, sometimes he looks like the best number 10 in the league, which is saying something. He had a goal and assist. Minnesota's up 2 nothing, you know, deep. Uh, Seattle scored in the 70, 75th minute. Um, I believe it was on a corner. And they came back with another goal in the 89th. That's with the way the league had it. I thought it was the 90th minute. And then they scored in stoppage time in the 94th. So three goals in the last 15 minutes of the game just ripped the hearts out of Minnesota. And with that, uh, Seattle earns their, uh, I think it's the it's their fourth appearance in five years. And they're looking for their third cup. And let's talk about from a crew point of view, gentlemen. I think if you're a crew fan, on one hand, uh, you're kind of happy to avoid Reynoso, who's just had an I think he broke Scalotto's record for most assists in a playoffs with seven in three games or something, seven in four games. Um, uh, and he, he just looks like the best player in the league right now. So, geez, you go, whew, no Reynoso. But then you got Seattle, uh, fourth finals appearance in five years. And here they come to Columbus believing that the cup is their birthright. Um, Jacob, which, what's your view on, on uh, how to take it if, if you're a fan, how to, how to read this? I think it's if you want to be the champ, you got to beat them, right? I, that, that old phrase. Um, to be honest, since these two teams played in the final game before MLS shut down along with the rest of the world when the pandemic hit the U.S. in, in mid-March, that game looked like a potential preview of MLS Cup, uh, a really thrilling 1-1 draw. So I'm excited to see this matchup. Uh, I, I think if you're a crew fan, you just want to play whatever team you are confident that, that they can beat. But defeating the team that is borderline on dynasty territory right now and the uh, 2019 MLS Cup champ uh, last year when they beat Toronto, this is the opportunity I, I think you want to um, undoubtedly proclaim yourself as the best team in the league. Kyle, what are your thoughts? And I should say first that uh, we're, we're going to have another podcast later this week and we'll get into more details of the matchup and Jacob will have, you know, both sides of it, the reactions from or, or the preview stuff from from both teams. But Kyle, did you watch last night's game and what was what was your opinion? What was going through your head? Yeah, no, I, I uh, stayed up and watched it to the end. And uh, I mean, for the crew's sake, I guess it's would you rather play, you know, the best player, you know, that's playing the best right now or the best team? So, I mean, I guess that's, you know, um, and and what for 74 minutes, the, the best player, uh, you know, in, in the last couple of months was was winning. And uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I. 
I think always, you know, I don't know about, you know, I, I always like to be the underdog, you know, I, I don't like, uh, especially in the championship games. I think, uh, you know, you can use that a little bit more to your advantage than, than being, um, you know, the, the clear favorite or, um, you know, but I, I think it's close. I think it's, uh, um, but both teams scary. I mean, you know, I, yeah. Look, there's I only think, good teams left yeah, right now. That yeah, includes I mean, the crew, and and, and uh, Jacob hit it uh, dead on. If, yeah. if, uh, which, what do you have to do? You have to beat everyone. And but I think uh, there's one think, more game left. But I think Seattle. I mean, I think more so than Minnesota, kind of scares scares you if you're if you're a crew fan. I mean, uh, they scored some goals off off set pieces, which uh, the crew has kind of struggled throughout the year. And you know, um, then if the crew does take the lead, man, that the last 10 minutes was uh, Seattle was just <laughs> all out attack. And, it, and, you know, and, and then it makes you wonder that if that situation happens with the crew, you know, next Saturday night, can they can they hold off Seattle the way that they are attacking and pressing and, you know, shots? You know, they had a goal called back, um, you know, and I believe uh, uh, they had a couple shots go off the post, um, you know. And so, I mean, they were. I mean, it was an impressive last, you know, 15, you know, heck, heck, last five minutes was an all-out attack, so. Well, I would venture that the crew would be a little more composed in Minnesota, um, given their personnel midfield back. Um, but but that, that remains to be seen. That would be my opinion. Um, I, I say this uh, somewhat based on, on – uh, on what the crew did over the weekend in the Eastern Conference Final. Um, you know, to my eye, they played one of their most composed games um, in, in some time. Um, they dominated the first half and managed the second half very well. They, they finally got their goal by Artur, set up beautifully uh, off a cross um, by Lucas Zellerion and then a, a layoff by Jonathan Mensa, which was a thing of beauty. And, and Artur with the finish inside the right post from the right side of the box. Um, and, and then they just they just handled it down the end. Yeah, there were some nervy moments, but you're going to have that in the playoffs. Uh, and you knew that uh, New England was going to come back at you. They, they uh, slayed a dragon in Bruce Arena. Um, it's a nice feather in their cap. It's, uh, it's their third Eastern Conference championship um, this will be their uh, um, in their eighth appearance in the cup final. Obviously, it'll be their third appearance in the final Saturday. And uh, they're looking for their second cup, their first since 2008, that magical season when they just uh, dominated uh, the league. Um, uh, uh, Jacob, your thoughts on, on the game against New England and what, uh, what the coaches and, and players were saying coming out of it? Yeah, I think defensively they limited Carlos Heal and Gustavo Bo as well as they possibly could and it really started with with Heal uh, as soon as he had the ball uh, th- th- there were one or two defenders on him and I thought Nagby and Artur um, the goal aside for Artur probably played his best game of his crew career and Caleb Porter said on multiple occasions this is probably the the first time I've kind of believed him that it turned into one of the better ball winning midfielders in the league he certainly showed that and and you know i thought the crew was dangerous from the very beginning of the game they had five or six corner kicks in the first 10 minutes of the match um luis diaz i'll be writing about him for wednesday but a guy who has had a down year as 
Caleb Porter explained last week has really just been learning a lot about the game, which is, you know, understandable for a young player. And you kind of have that second year slump sometimes. But I think he's had two of his best games, if not the best games of the year, uh, these past two weeks. And you know it, the the second half, I, I think a lot of people going into halftime, crew fans were probably feeling pretty good that they'd find that goal. And it just so happens that it was Jonathan Mentz and Artur, probably two of the uh, least likely contributors <laughs> for that assist and a goal that uh, won't soon be forgotten. Uh, qu- quick aside on that goal, though, did you see the spin on that ball of the, the camera angle right behind Artur's yeah. shot? It, it almost looked like it defied physics, how it spun back, uh, looked like a, a two-seam fastball from Clayton Kershaw uh, past Turner there. But, you know, before that, Lucas Elrayon, what he does so well is just stop immediately on the ball and switch directions, and he freed himself up. And that was his off foot that he had that cross perfectly to Mensa. I thought he played a really good game, struggled at times, but it was incredibly dangerous. And and what you would expect from your playmaker. Um, just to go back to what you're saying, Mike, about Minnesota, it's really you know pick your poison. Reynoso has been the best player along with. Um, Kevin Molino in the in the postseason. So either team the crew is going to get, they they had different challenges. And obviously, I think Raul Ruiz Diaz is probably one of the most clinical finishers in MLS. So they'll they'll have their hand. But um, if you're a crew fan, I think good reason, as you wrote in your column, Mike, today on Bezbachenko, um, good reason to be confident. They're 12 and one this season at home. Yeah, and Kyle. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the game? I know you see things a little differently because you're you're a soccer genius. <laughs> no, I thought uh, just to piggyback on some of the stuff Jacob said. I think uh, you know, as amazing as uh, Mensa's uh, touch to our tour was, I think that if you watch the replay, which I later on watched, uh, you know, because I couldn't quite see see it from my view. Uh, and by the way, that, on the that stage. wasn't a that wasn't a bullet. It was just. Perfectly yeah. struck. Yeah, but but what was even more amazing is Mensa went up for a corner kick, and most of the time he goes back, you know, back to the defense. But once, uh, you know, Lucas got the ball, he decided to go back up again and on that right side, and no one, you know, no one covered him. So I thought that was really impressive. That you know, normally he probably wouldn't have made that, you know, made that move again to go back into the box. Um, and then Diaz, yeah, Diaz was a was a machine in the first half. They kind of uh, dropped. He kind of dropped off a little bit and and, and wasn't attacking as much uh, in the second half. But I thought um, the one thing that I that I took away from it is that the crew. It seemed to me the the, the crew actively tried to get Lucas the ball. Um, you know, pretty quickly and uh, more so than the last game. If you're watching, he probably looked more dangerous because I thought that they they decided to get to the get him the ball and let him do what it, you know what he does mess create a little magic make crosses that go in that you don't think are crosses and so I think that was that's what really kind of impressed me from the last game and then also the last part is the goalie uh and the defense you know he really didn't have to make very many saves you know in a game like that you know for a championship you want your goalie to make one or two you know really crucial saves and the, and the defense did such a good job. He he didn't really need to make anything. I mean, he had a couple punch outs there towards the end when they were all out attacking, trying to get that, you know, the last goal. Um, and he did get a little lucky. The, the one shot went off the post um, early, I believe, in the first half. 
Um, you know, but, you know, overall, I mean, they, the defense really clamped down and, uh, there wasn't that many great shots on goal. Well, uh, I'd only piggyback off of one of the things Jacob mentioned, um, uh, and, and you touched upon as well. And that is, um, defensively, um, uh, we had talked about last week, um, and this came off a conversation I had with Alejandro Moreno, um, and he was, uh, very cognizant and even keying on Buchanan. Um, their fullback as as uh, one of their big keys, his speed, um, and and if he's going forward, how things uh, open up uh, uh, for for Carlos and 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 for the striker um, and 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 the other side of the field, um, and and that was one thing that uh, so it was one thing I sort of had my eye on, and they they just completely frustrated Buchanan. I mean, he he was subbed out early in the second half, uh, as I recall. And uh, he wasn't much of a factor at all. And, and that kind of speaks to the what they did overall defensively. Um, best players have to be your best players. And as good as, as Gill was, they really put a threw a blanket over 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 that attack at, at its point. Agree, Jacob? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. I, you didn't see Buchanan pretty much the whole match. I watched him early on to see what type of fa- factor he would be. But. Uh, had kind of forgotten about him. So that was something we talked about pregame is sometimes I, I think about that Toronto game. Obviously, there were a few player key players in there, not for the crew, but uh, Toronto carved up that left side of the crew defense, which is where Buchanan would have been. And um, credit to Pedro Santos uh, holding mids, Artur Darley, and then Milton Valenzuela over there. Uh, to cut him off and the defense in general, uh, Josh Williams, I don't think has probably gotten enough talk this year. He has um, really excelled in place of Vito Wormhor, who, you know, Josh was asked after the game and he pretty much said, you know, when Vito got into camp, uh, he knew like this guy's really good and, and I just got to do my role and uh, had kind of basically conceded the starting job, saying just, I think, correctly acknowledging that Vito was uh, a different kind of player. But Josh has played extremely well and, and uh, did very well against against Bo all game long. That's a that's a very good point. Uh, his he's so composed. Uh, there's no soiling of his underwear um, when he steps in. It's it's without a second thought. And uh uh, there's no hesitation in, in what he does. He, he he looks confident and composed, and he's playing very well. Um, uh, is there anything else you guys want to add about the game? And, and Jacob, I'm I'm curious uh, uh, for from your ear end of things um, uh, after doing um, the debriefing uh, post game and and into this week. Well, I think I'll pick up on on Josh again, and and I encourage people to read the story. I kind of wrote it. Just really, he, he made the story with his comments about what an MLS Cup in the final full year of Mafre Stadium and uh, what it, what it might mean to the fans. And I mean, he brought up Kirk Urso uh, when talking about Mafre Stadium and what this MLS Cup run means. Uh, they're very aware, and it was Porter's first statements that they have one game left. But uh, I, I I don't think there's another guy on this team that could probably better sum up or better understands on a ground level what an Eastern Conference championship and the, just the ability to play for 
a title at Moffray Stadium uh, means to to supporters and and what it means for that to be in the last year full year at Moffray Stadium. There'll be some games next year, but uh, I, I just encourage people to go check that story out. This sort of chance doesn't come up very often. Uh, there's a, a lot of teams that thought they'd be uh, competing for more cups than they have over these years as the league's expanded. There's also there's a power in the league that the large market teams with a lot of money um, and, and they exert their power. Uh, these are special, special things that have to be appreciated in the moment, um, especially here where. You know, the team was was almost lost. Uh, better said, it was saved by the fans. Uh, just just a little over two years ago, um, almost two years ago exactly. Um, and and for them now to have a, a a new stadium going up with with new ownership and uh, uh, and this swan song for Montfrey Stadium, Kyle, there's uh, there is something poetic about that if, if you're if you're a crew fan uh, and it's the shame of it is it's it's during this crazy yeah. year of a, of a pandemic um, uh, because Kyle you were there in 2015 it was uh, an electric atmosphere turned out to be a huge disappointment but uh, uh, this city does know how to how to build a bandwagon and unfortunately that. The bandwagon's there, but no one can get on it, really. It's a, it's a shame. Yes. Yeah. It's a very remarkable week yeah. in Columbus, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a true shame that um, it's marred uh, by the pandemic because you think about what it could be like, and you don't know when your next chance is going to be. Yeah, and you say it perfectly. I was, uh, uh, before the show, I was uh, looking back at, at my photos from the 2015 uh, They're awesome, uh, huh? Uh, and yeah, we're gonna try to re-release a slideshow later on this week. And yeah, it was just—I mean, the stadium was—I mean, just electric. It was, um, you know, the fan, you know, even you know, even the Portland fans that 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 made it down there, you know, they they helped make uh, you know, that game, you know, because I believe it was their first championship, you know, uh, game appearance. Parents, so yeah, yeah, I think that's a sad thing. But I mean, man, it's 2020. You know, at least some fans, you know, um, are going to be allowed into the game, and so I think that's uh, that's great that that some people who uh, feel safe and um, you know want to attend the t- attend the game are going to be there, and and others are, you know, um, you know, I think I've seen a lot of people in the last couple of days say they're, you know, they're happy to be at home watching it, you know, and, and that's where they feel safe. So um, it just, I think it just sucks. 2020 just sucks. And it sucks that, uh, you know, I think because of that, any fan base, uh, you know, the crew, you know, the crew fans and the, the, you know, all the, all the people who helped save the crew deserve this game at this place. Um, and, uh, and, and not a lot of people get to watch it live. Jacob, as recently as, as last week, uh, the crew had eight players quarantined, including their starting goalkeeper. Can you give us an injury update and, and a COVID update, if you will? Yeah. As of early last week, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember when that might have been, I believe, Monday that they found out an eighth player had tested positive um, and no one else has since. So it appears they got it under control and they also changed their um, training format. Essentially, maybe that's changing back to normal this week, but uh, for the rest of this past week leading up to the new England game, they weren't going inside the facility. They're pretty much getting out of their cars and um, and going to train, doing things outdoors. So um, curious why it kind of took that long to make that step. But uh, I, I guess that's, 
that was a wise move because they have it under control now. And the player that was added to the list that was not medically available or cleared to play, they, they don't confirm COVID, but like these, most of these players, uh, other than Vito Warmhor, uh, who was in quarantine protocol and now he's out, uh, they, the club and the league does not confirm the identity of the people who tested positive, but Chris Cadden showed up uh, on that list of not medically cleared to play. So another reserve player. As for Aloy Room, uh, as you said, Mike, he got out of quarantine late last week. Caleb Porter said Saturday before the game that it, it would have been very tricky to have players in that game. Waylon Francis was the other player listed as questionable, along with Room, who was out of quarantine protocol. It would have been very tricky for those guys to come out after 10 days and not doing anything and playing the game. Um, so they weren't available or listed on the game day roster. Uh, I believe the hope is you know, no signs of fatigue this week and everything else checks out. They're going to see what a week of training looks like that maybe Aloy Room gets back in there. Um, which, but, does, but does he go in, though? I mean, Tarleton. Yeah. Been, <laughs> good, good you go with that guy, do you go with the guy at the hot hand? Uh, you know, he's only given up, uh, I think, six goals in nine games and I think five shutouts. So, I mean, it's uh, where do you go with your, your starter? So, I think you play your best players if they're 100% available. But to your point, Kyle, and, and he should get credit, Andrew Tarbell has been very, very well uh, and looks extremely comfortable back there. This is a guy who didn't even play a regular season game last year and just won two games by shutout for the crew to go to MLS Cup. Well, you you wonder which team is is, uh, is is has more of the kiss of fortune uh, to them. Uh, Seattle uh, is on a remarkable run, and, and they're they're the iron of the league. The crew has had um, the soccer gods smiling on them to some degree as well, uh, um, and you know they they they've had to go through the number six, the number seven, and the number eight seeds in the East, um, and now they finally have some iron. Not to say that the Red Bulls, Nashville, or the Revolution weren't playing good soccer. They certainly will were. But the way things broke, um, uh, the crew got home field throughout the playoffs. Um, and uh, uh, so that, that's been a, a really good break for them. As Jacob said, uh, they're 12-1 they're and one at home at this point, um, uh, which is the best home record in the league. And we'll see what happens Saturday. Seattle has to think that destiny is smiling on them again after that comeback victory uh, last night in the conference final. Um, gentlemen, I'm just going to ask you for, for your final thoughts here um, before we wrap it up. Um, again, this is, uh, this is the crew's third chance at a title, their third appearance in the, in the, in the MLS final. Um, and they won it once in 2008 when they beat the Red Bulls um, uh, behind Lord Guillermo with three assists. They lost it in 2015 in, in uh, truly uh, ghoulish fashion um, with, with uh, the goal 27 seconds in. Um, uh, Valeri with the slide tackle goal on, on, on uh, Steve Clark. Oh, and then, then the goal that VAR would have waved off. Um, had it been available in 2015, but that was a two-to-one loss to, to Caleb Porter's Portland team here at Montfrey Stadium. Um, Jacob, I'll start with you, and I'm wondering if Caleb Porter has mentioned 2015 at all. 
Yeah, he brought up 2015 in the fashion of not Tony Chani's incident, but that he had guys like Diego Chara, Darlington Nagby, and Diego Valeri, who those three, he sees a lot of similarities in Nagby again, and Artur and Zellerayan as the three kind of guys who make the engine work in the midfield for the crew. So there are similarities there for just how he likes to construct his teams. And I think that has borne out throughout the year. My thought, I think, is just let's all be honest that this team is a bit ahead of schedule right now uh, in terms of the vision for for a champion. Uh, I think we all looked at the roster thinking this could be one of the better teams in the East. And they, they did finishing third. In the but to get to MLS Cup uh, in just the second year of new ownership, coaching staff, front office, I know that might not be remembered if they lose this game, but it shouldn't be lost sight. And I, I think we can say that objectively. It's, it's pretty impressive how they've gotten to this point. And Mike, it, they're going up against a team that knows how to win MLS Cups. And uh, I mean, they have that guy in Darlington Nagby as well. Yeah, and, and, and I, I'm going to ask Kyle to comment on that. I, I would only add, Jacob, that, uh, you know, in in my conversation with Tim Bezbachenko earlier this week, um, he, he was lamenting uh, the the COVID and, and wondering what it all means and, and whether this uh, opportunity to give soccer this gigantic booster shot here in the city as they transition to the new stadium, whether it's been lost or how much impact it could have. Uh, what is it, what does it mean uh, in during in the middle of a pandemic, uh, especially as it spikes? Um, but at the same time, he, he did catch himself and he actually sounded a little badass and 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 which is not like him. And he said, look, I, I'm not uh, Babe Ruth calling my shot here, but a one year thing. Uh, and then he went on to talk about how uh, and he was he was very adamant about uh, how he's got his core, how the core of the team is is in place and they're ready to take another step next year. Um, um, but anyway, I, I think I think what you'll see, and I, I think it's an important difference from Minnesota, um, which was kind of had its first taste of a deep playoff run after a lot of disappointment, Kyle, uh, over the years. Um, uh the, the 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 composition of the of the crew midfield and back line we mentioned Josh Williams but Darlington Nagby is a guy uh, in fact going for his third cup with his third different team um, that that's going to help you in all situations be it going forward or, or backing backing it in whatever the case may be on Saturday yeah he, he's going for the LeBron James trifecta right three teams three championships so um, but yeah no. Uh, you know, you guys both make good points, and you know, and, and I will say though that in sports we've seen a lot of teams, um, you know, in, in the last ten years get to championship games before they thought they were technically ready, and so I think that you know the crew needs to you know, you know not you know, not expect that they'll be back there because things happen, weird things happen, players get hurt, things ha- you know, weird stuff happens, but you know they need to take you know they need to. Um, you know, not think like that. Like, it's good that, you know, Bez is kind of thinking like that. But at the same time, like, you know, you need to win the championships, you know, when they're there and when they're available for your taking and especially when they're at home. Because I don't think the, you know, a lot of, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. And, you know, I just think that, you know, that this championship, if they win it, will, I want to say give them, give 
give the fans hope because I mean, I think saving the team gave them hope, but kind of like a, a reinforcement that everything that they went through was worth it. And now they're on the flip side where everything's great. We got this new stadium, we have a championship and things are ready to kind of to gear up like they've never done before here in Columbus. There's a lot to play for, but I mean, it's, it's hard to say that they'll keep on getting back to this moment because, you know, you saw how fast the, you know, the, the, the 2015 team was kind of, you know, crumbled. And, 27 you know, seconds. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but, you know, but I mean, look, I, just the, the team dynamic kind of broke off the year after and then people got shipped out. And the next thing you know, you know, a couple of couple years later, you're the bottom of the, you know, you're the bottom of the table. So. Porter even mentioned that before the New England game, I had asked about, you know, they still have games to win, but what, you know, why, what does this getting, what would MLS Cup getting there in the second year kind of mean? And he had mentioned that, you know, teams are already prepping for next year and he's been a part of championship team. Don't forget, you know, the crew didn't make the playoffs that year, nor did Portland. I believe that was the year they didn't win a single game on the road. They had a ton of draws. Um, so I, I think they're well aware that they need to keep building, and that was always the intention to add some more key players before the stadium. Well, hey, Jacob, Jacob, you can you can win a championship and 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 not win any games on the road. It uh, appears that's possible. Well, you know, let, let's not forget what happened uh, as soon as the game ended at Moffray Stadium, the the Cup final game on December sixth, uh, twenty fifteen, and that is. Uh, Anthony Precourt got up and then continued his phone conversations with Austin. He was bent on moving the team. He didn't spend any money on the roster. He was bent on destroying the fan base and uh, even the stadium to of neglecting it. Uh, so, uh, again, the fans who saved the crew understand this in their hearts because they lived through it. Um, this team, they tried to kill, they tried to move, and uh, the fans saved it. And in two years' time, they've reached this point. And to me, that that, that is uh, probably the most extraordinary uh, statement you can make about how, how far this team has come under Tim Bezbachenko, Caleb Porter, um, the, the Edwards and, and Haslam families. Um, um, once they were left for dead by the side of the road, and now here they are um, building what they feel can be a contender and indeed contending for the championship of the league on Saturday. Um, one thing about uh, uh, Darlington Dabby, for my research, and uh, uh, again, take it with a grain of salt, but uh, uh, Craig Weibel uh, won three cups with three different teams during his 11 seasons. And uh, the record is Brian Mullen. Um, who, is, who won five cups with four different teams, Galaxy, San Jose, Houston, and, and Colorado. Um, so Nagby is, is, would, would be joining a, a very exclusive group. And I would uh, aver that uh, he would be the best of that trio uh, when, <laughs> when indeed he does join that group. Um, anything else to add, gentlemen? Patrick, do you have anything from the studio there? Oh, he's got nothing. He's shaking his head. I'll just echo what you kind of said, Mike. I wish it was, you know, we could have a full crowd and people would be in there. It'd be quite a scene. But from what I've seen, even from the fans at the game, everyone's been acting responsibly. So as whatever way you choose to find a find a way to, you know, take in what Saturday is going to bring. It'll be a historic moment. Win or lose, of course, I think it'll be more remembered, of course, if they win. Well, they tried to kill soccer in this city, and Don Garber was, was complicit in that entire ugly enterprise. 
and they failed. And here the crew are looking for their second championship. That's a Saturday at 8 o'clock on Fox. So for Jacob Myers, Jacob, tell us about uh, your handle and, and where people can find your stuff. At underscore JC Myers. And yeah, we'll have coverage all week. And, and thank you to everyone who continues to read our stuff. And Kyle. Yeah, K-Rob Photo, and uh, thanks for all the views on the slideshows and all the other uh, great stuff that we do at Dispatch.com. Oh, you know, the slideshows are great, and uh, who doesn't love a good slideshow, especially from the state's number one sports photographer? And speaking of number ones, Patrick Clarity, our, our producer, has a long climb to get to number one, but he is <laughs> at the Podfather, too, so check him out as well. Thanks for joining us here on The Speakeasy. For Kyle Robertson, Jacob Myers, our fine beat writer, and Patrick Flaherty. I'm Mike A. Race, and we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Patrick, kick us out of here.